You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual It's June. June 1st. And everybody knows that June is Gay Pride Month. So I have to, I don't know, sprinkle some fairy dust on my gay pride and feel proudful. Hang out the rainbow, striped windsock here at FWAP. And I always feel a little conflicted about Gay Pride Month because the pride parades are what they are and I think they're great. I think they should be parties. They just feel so sort of flaccid and uninspired. And it would be great if we changed them. A long time ago, I went to uh, – and you get in trouble when you say this, change. Oh, my God. Everyone's for change except for the Pride Parade, which has to you know remain frozen in amber for all eternity, just like it was in 1973. I went to Sydney Mardi Gras years ago, and here's their Pride Parade. It's at night. It's through the middle of the city. Uh, it's a torchlight thing. And the gays march and the whole city comes to watch because the floats are fabulous and the costumes are amazing and everybody puts a lot of time and effort into putting on a show. And it's a way of sort of the gays throw themselves a party, throw the city a party. It integrates the gay population into the city. It's not – it doesn't have this antagonistic posture of like a protest march and God how you're oppressing me and – you know, mixed with, you know, in Seattle always, Honda of Seattle enters the gay pride parade and what they do, their float is six or seven Hondas driving down the street. Because really, you know, how often do you see a Honda driving down the street in Seattle? You got to go to a parade when you want to see a Honda driving down the street in Seattle with some fag at the wheel. How often does that happen? And it would just be funner to like make the pride parades a celebration of how much we have achieved, how integrated into the culture and society we are with some, you know, awareness of uh, progress that has not yet been made. And then divide the thing in two. And then people go, oh, if it's at night, it's just a party. It's just for the clubby boys. It's just a dance thing. It's exclusionary of like, what about the families? Well, you know, the families have had it all their own way for decades now. We've had the pride parade on fucking Sunday morning for decades now. And, you know, you can bring the kids and every, blah, blah, bring the family and it's all family friendly. And really, we've paid a high price in melted drag queens over the years to have it on Sunday at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the sun in summer right before July. How many drag queens have we lost to melanoma mixed with running makeup? Too many. So I think we should have a pride parade on Saturday night. That's a big party and it's really fun and it's at night and straight people want to come watch because it's crazy and the gays are fun and a part of the city is part of the life of the city. And they have their complaints. Sure, every minority group, every competing group in the city has their complaints and their beefs. But they also exist here in town and they know how to make an urban environment more fabulous and interesting and fun and for everybody, not just for the gays. And then on Sunday morning, we have a big party. Where, you know, everybody who went to the parade on Saturday night can come recover from their hangovers. The drag queens can come in their civilian clothes, no makeup on, and the families can reign supreme. And I say this as, you know, a gay person with a family. I'm not anti-family. I just think we should separate these two events into two discrete things. Anyway, there, a little food for thought as we flap the rainbow windsock through the month of June and as 
the grim prospect of yet another Pride Parade featuring melted drag queens and Hondas driving down the streets of Seattle approaches. Anyway, your call's coming up after this. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Smitten Kitten, offering an amazing selection of products for your sex life. Enter Savage at smittenkittenonline.com for 20% off your purchase. Hi, Dan. Um, my question is about fisting. So I'm curious if there's any health risks. I guess I, I like pretty intense uh, fisting, and my boyfriend is always a little shocked and amazed by how seriously I want him to pound my cervix, and sometimes he's concerned. And the other thing is, um, I've been a little bit uh, embarrassed to ask my doctor about how that might affect an IUD. I was considering getting one put in, and I know that it has like a pokey thread-like thing um, that is, you know, sometimes uncomfortable for your partner. And I was just wondering also if there's a way that really intense fisting could dislodge it or be somehow dangerous um that's it thanks let's think about this for a second the vaginal canal roughly five inches deep and your partner's arm roughly i don't know foot and a half long you know your vaginal canal expands like a like a slinky when you're aroused it gets longer as your cervix ascends and your uterus ascends but it's not going to ascend all the way up to your throat so I would err on the side of not aggressively fisting or being fisted in my vagina, my personal vagina, my imaginary friend, my vagina. If I had an IUD, I would just err on the side of not having my IUD punched through the wall of my uterus. But that's just me. I would urge you, you know, you know what I want to jump on, the reason I'm, I'm playing your call, even though this is not my area of expertise, imaginary friend notwithstanding, I would urge you... To get comfortable talking to your doctor about your sex practices as they may impact your health generally and your sexual health particularly. And if you're not comfortable talking to your doctor about your sex practices, get a doctor you are comfortable talking to if the doctor is the problem. If you feel like your doctor is judgmental or sex negative or 8,000 years old, although that's a prejudice, not all 8,000-year-old doctors are sex negative, you need to change doctors or you need to change if you're the problem. You need to just say it and see what they say, see what their reaction is because you need that kind of information. And if the IUD is wrong for you because of the pounding you like your not-so-imaginary vagina to take, your doctor needs to know so that you don't discover that the IUD is wrong for you when you're coughing it up. All right? So off to the doctor with you, young lady. Take your vagina. Take mine, too. Mine's imaginary. It can go anywhere. It can, go, it can accompany you for moral support to your appointment with your doctor where you're going to discuss this issue. Hi, Dan. Um, my name's Tanya. I'm a 20-year-old female. Um, I'm calling because I'm having troubles with my boyfriend. Um, I'm thinking, well, I'm wondering if he might be gay and that he's um, struggling with accepting it. Um, it's kind of a long story, but the long and short of it is that he was quote-unquote raped by another guy when he was, I don't know, 19, and since then, he didn't tell anybody that it happened to him for like two years until he met me, and he stopped dating. 
um, until he met me and things were really great. And then we started to move into the sexual portion of our relationship and it wasn't going very well. And finally, I got him to tell me what happened um, and talk to about it. And I was the first person that he had told about it since it happened to him. Um, and since then he's talked with therapists and it's kind of like he's made his peace with it, but I haven't, um, I have gay friends that I've talked to about this and, you know, they said that's, you know, rape doesn't really quote unquote happen in the gay community. There has to be some kind of exchange that happens, uh, between the two. So either he missed that signal or he saw it and was curious about it and was like too ashamed to admit it. Um, it's a hard situation though, because he, he doesn't like, you know, black and white sex. He's actually called you before because he struggles with accepting some of his own fetishes. He's called you by his latex fetish before. Um, so he's very much so into latex and bondage and femdom. And that's one of the reasons that we, uh, hit it off so well is because we shared the same interests sexually. And I'm having a hard time determining where you draw the line between, a fetish and, you know, accepting that you're gay because I know him very well and I think if he thought he had it or any inclination that he thought he was gay, he would be so strongly opposed to it um, because he doesn't agree with it and he I know his family doesn't agree with it and so I almost think that he might be ashamed. But he doesn't strike me as a gay guy. It's only I worry about it because this happened to him and some of the things my gay guy friends say, and I'm worried that the more and more I approach him about this or talk to him about it, the more and more he's going to deny it or go, you know, just be completely against it. Um, but he's, since we've been together, he's always maintained that he's been straight. Um, our sex life 80% of the time is amazing. <laughs> he only, he only fails maybe, I don't know, 15% of the time. And he usually says, you know, he's tired, he's got other things on his mind. And so it's only times like that when I really start to question. But I feel like that would be like that for any guy. I don't know, I'm struggling with the whole thing. And I need to talk to somebody about it. There's so much here, so much material, so many avenues uh, to approach Stupid Town where you currently reside. Male-on-male rape is real. Your gay friends are leotarded, and you should stay the fuck away from them. All you need to do to find your way to information about the reality of male-on-male rape is Google the phrase male-on-male rape. Um, There are books about male-on-male rape out there. There are support groups or online communities for survivors of male-on-male rape. If your boyfriend is traumatized by his experience of sexual assault, You're doubting not just his experience, but the reality of male-on rape in toto is not helpful. You're equating his latex fetishes and other fetishes with his sexual assault is not helpful. Uh, There are fetishes out there who have been sexually assaulted, experienced, survived sexual violence. There are fetishes who have the same fetishes who did not experience sexual violence. Uh, The two are not necessarily related. Um, he doesn't agree with homosexuality. I love that phrase. I don't agree with homosexuality. I don't agree with gravity. Shit still falls when you drop it. It doesn't matter if I agree with gravity or not. Uh, people are still gay, whether this guy and his family agree with gayness or not. My boyfriend and I want to give each other blowjobs. aren't waiting for their acceptance of the reality of our existence. If he's gay, he's gay. And, you know, he could very well have hangups about being gay because he comes from a homophobic 
background because his family's homophobic because he's never questioned his homophobia. And, you know, if he's from a homophobic background and he was a victim of male-on-male rape, he gets a little bit of a pass for a while. You know, that would exacerbate your homophobia, being the victim of male-on-male rape if you're not gay. And you're from a homophobic background. That's not going to help you get over your homophobia. That is going to make it incalculably worse. Now, his 15% failure rate, if 85% of the time he fucks you and it's all awesome and 15% of the time he is legitimately tired or it sounds like potentially even – it's not that you know he's fucking you and fails. It's that he takes a pass on your pass. He's just not up for it or interested at that moment. That's not evidence of homosexuality. That's evidence of exhaustion. That's evidence of perhaps he's sick of you at that moment. That's evidence – that he's not into it at that moment. And sometimes guys fuck and lose it. Do you come every single time you have sex? Most women don't. And yet coming every single time you have sex is a standard by which male sexuality is judged unfairly. All right? So let's separate out all these issues. Male on male rape, real. Your gay friends, retarded, not helpful. Stop listening to them. If he need, If he's talked to therapists and he's processed this thoroughly... You need to defer to their expertise and his therapeutic experience. If he believes it was valuable and he's over it, then you need to respect his opinion. And you need to not regard the fact that sometimes when your boyfriend fucks you, he loses his erection or doesn't get off as evidence that he really wants to be fucking dudes. All right? And I wished he'd given me a call about you because I might have some advice for him about you. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Smitten Kitten. Smitten Kitten has an amazing selection of products for your sex life. Whether you're single or with a partner, their non-toxic, body-safe toys are the best quality products available. Shop their easy-to-navigate, secure website at smittenkittenonline.com or visit the newest Smitten Kitten location at 70 Broadway in Denver, Colorado. Take 20% off any order online or in-store with the code SAVAGE. Smitten Kitten, sex toys for everyday people. Hi, Dan. I'm a 29-year-old woman. Um, the other day I was watching a movie called Blindness, that one with Julianne Moore. And there's a scene, in case you haven't seen it, where, I mean, everyone's blind in the movie for a while, almost everyone. And there's a rape scene where women are uh, raped in exchange for food. And it was, like, a very graphic scene. It was awful, actually. But I was home alone, and I found myself extremely, extremely aroused, and also nauseous. Um, Later on in the night, I threw up when I was thinking about it. I don't know. I keep thinking about this. This was two days ago, and I can't stop running through the scene in my mind. And I guess my question um, is, does this mean this is the start of some sort of fetish for me, or what is that reaction? What does that mean, the sickness and the arousal at the same time? Just curious. What does it mean? It means you had a visceral sexual response to a simulated rape scene in a movie, a movie I haven't seen, so I can't comment on what this particular staged rape looked like. But remember, it was a work of fiction uh, that was meant to, in some ways, perhaps titillate, arouse, appall, and terrify you, and it worked. Is this the beginning of you know a full-blown rape fetish on your part? Couldn't say. Some people do have sort of yellow brick road to Damascus experiences where they flash on a fantasy or they're exposed to something 
and it awakened something in their erotic inner lives that was there lying dormant or was just under the surface and subconsciously they were in denial about. Perhaps you do have some power play sexual fantasies or interests that this sort of brought to the fore that you'd suppressed and it appalled you so much it made you physically ill to think about. You need to just back up and tell yourself that you watched a fictional representation of rape in an entertainment. You were not watching someone really get raped. That is what you tapped into, a fictional, consensual, really, rape scene. Because the actress and the actor consented, the audience consented, everybody consented to create and then view this fictional representation of a rape. You tapped into it erotically, sexually, and you need to give yourself a pass. You need to give yourself absolution. And then you need to ask yourself perhaps maybe in restaging a scene like this, you could derive some sort of sexual pleasure. And then remember, remind yourself, if you feel guilty or on the hook or you want to throw up about it, that consent is always the magic ingredient. Consent makes it whatever it is, whatever it looks like. However accurately you can recreate even that scene in that particular movie so long as you're consenting, you're in charge. It begins and ends when you and your partner both agree it begins and ends. Or, you know, it ends when you say it ends. If you are playing the, the victim, you get the safe word, you get to call it off. It ain't rape because you've sprinkled the magic fairy dust of consent all over the scenario and that makes it not rape. So chill, relax, don't be on the fucking rack about it. Hey, Dan, this is uh, Paul calling from uh, the Midwest. Um, my question for you is um, it's about my parents, actually. It's a little weird. Um, but they've been married for about 40 years, have a great marriage from what I can tell. A few years ago, um, probably about five years ago, um, I discovered that my dad was having, I'm, I'm guessing it was a virtual affair, um, you know, talking to other people, on other women in particular, on uh, Yahoo!, instant messenger and I found a message that was just um on his screen that you know was pretty in de- pretty detailed and gross and um not something I thought my father would ever do but I didn't know if that was something you know if, if that's just how my dad got his kinks or um that was an agreement to for their relationship I mean obviously I don't know if this is a real person that he's actually maybe have done things with or if it's just an online, you know, messing around kind of deal. But um, I think the question is, if I were to talk to him with my dad, I mean, obviously I want to go on, like, how would I go about doing that? Or if I should even do that? Um, and I know he's still doing it. Um, hearing's not the best. And um, I've walked in on the room and seen them closing out windows and IMs and stuff like that. So, you know, just, I want to know what's going on, but at the same time, I don't want to, like, you know, rip a hole in in their marriage or anything like that. Because it's, it's, it's perfect. So, um, any, advice, any advice you have, that'd be great. You say you want to know what's going on. Why? Right. Um, I mean, it's like, it's like I found out the the evidence, you know, and... That your dad's having online chats with God knows who. Right. And this is how perhaps he entertains himself and 
the way he is sexually expressive now, 40 years into this marriage. Right. That he's getting his kicks online, interacting with who knows who. Right. Is he in any way neglectful? Um. Is your mom unhappy? No. You said in your call, should you really rip a hole in this marriage? I would say, no, you really shouldn't rip a hole in this marriage, and you should leave well enough alone. And there's a lot of people out there, you know, whose sexual needs aren't wholly met in their relationship, particularly people who've been together for great periods of time where the relationship has become not about sex anymore. Maybe your mother isn't interested in sex anymore and hasn't been for a long time, Mm -hmm. and this is the way your dad gets off so he can stay sane and stay married and be the person for your mother that he she needs him to be. Yeah. And so if this is just a contingency plan on his part to, you know, drain his old nuts and stay sane and happy and with your mom, why would you want to rub your mom's nose in that? And why would you want to humiliate your dad by initiating a conversation with him about it? He has a right to a private life. Right. Even a private life from your mother. So so long as he isn't putting her at any physical danger, it's none of your business, and you should leave it alone. Okay. Okay. And you should turn a blind eye. You know, one of the text that we have here in the room said it's sometimes interesting how people can be so good at compartmentalizing their own lives but not other people's lives. They yeah. look at that and say, well, that's a little dishonest. Well, are there little dishonesties in your life in ways that you've been dishonest, even with people that you've loved? Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's, yeah. And, you know, you may look at that and say, well, my mother wouldn't like it if he was talking to other women like that. Okay, do you do anything your mother wouldn't like if you told her about it, if she knew about it? Um, yeah. I smoke. (laughs) Okay, and you don't tell her. You smoke what, pot? No, just, uh... Cigarettes? And you don't tell tell her because it would upset her, and it's none of her business, and it has no effect on her. Nope. So, So long as there's no evidence that your dad is you know, running around having unsafe sex with other people and then coming home and having sex with your mom without using protection, Mm -hmm. there's no reason for you to get involved. Okay. Okay. Leave it alone. Don't rob your mother of her illusions if she's deluded, and don't humiliate and embarrass your father for no reason. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Hey, Dan. Um... 25 female from the Midwest. Um, I have kind of a weird fetish. I I don't know if it's weird, but it's hard to find people with the same fetish. Um, I really like Audi belly buttons. Like, it's getting to the point where, like, I almost need my guy to have an Audi to get off. Like, when I'm on top, I like playing with it, and I like sucking on it, and I don't know if it's... I don't know. So, I don't know if there's other people who organize themselves in groups that I could find them, but anyway, so I've been seeing this guy for a couple months and um, it's really great, but he doesn't have an Audi and so it's kind of hard for me to get off and I don't know if that's a deal breaker and so I just don't know what to do and I don't know if there's any way that they there's a surgery if that's too serious or like down the road, if you could do that for me, I don't know. If you need your guy to have an Audi in order to get off, that does seem as it rises to the level of a deal breaker. There are a lot of men out there who are big-breasted women who fall in love with flat-chested women and vice versa. You know, the heart sometimes takes us to a partner uh, who doesn't 
you know, match up with the physical ideal we've carried around in our heads all our lives, or we settle for somebody who doesn't match that physical ideal, and you deal, right? But if you literally can't get off, if a guy doesn't have an Audi for you to play with, and you say you suck on it when you're on top, and I'd like to see you folded into that position, I'd like to see exactly how that works when you're on top riding a stick and you're managing to bend all the way over and suck on his belly button at the same time, you might have to tell this guy that it isn't going to work out because you have this very strange, very arbitrary fetishistic attachment to a certain kind of belly button and he lacks that belly button. That's going to be crushing, particularly if he's in love with you. All the surgical interventions I can find for belly buttons are about turning outies into innies because some people, particularly the ladies with outies, uh, are embarrassed and ashamed by this, you know, extra clit-like protuberance. Maybe it can be done in reverse and maybe he'll love you so much that he would want to do that for you. If I were in his shoes, though, if I were in your vagina and you were attempting to suck my imaginary outie, and you told me that if I didn't do this, that you could never get off, that you couldn't, that you would leave me. This because I had the wrong kind of belly button. I would find you to be so absurd and ridiculous that I would probably break up with you. But maybe you know your experience will differ. Your mileage will vary. Maybe he'll look at you and go, "I will do whatever it takes," including getting experimental any to Audi belly button surgery. Are there groups for you out there? Yes, there are belly button fetishist groups out there. There's this marvelous tool called Google. There is also a whole worldwide web of interneted connectedness that exists to sift all of humanity and sort all of humanity for you. And you can take out personal ads that say, hey, here I am. Here's my picture. I'm hot. I'm fun. I'm fun. I'm fun. I'm fun. And I'm so into guys who have Audis, particularly like weird fun thing about me. So if you have an Audi, I totally especially want to hear from you. I downplay it a little bit, but mention it, and you'll get the guys with the Audis uh, coming at you. And then, you know, if you meet your dream man with an Audi and you can literally uh, ride him and be fucked and suck his Audi at the same time, I want a picture of that because I can't quite see in my mind's eye how that works. Hey, what's up, man? Um, as far as dating goes, uh, I, I date a lot. I haven't had a whole lot of success with it. But, uh, Dan, my question to you is I wonder how, uh, how valid is this timing question? Um, with uh, with women, I mean, I they they say things to me like uh, like Sam. My name's Sam, by the way. Sam, I really like you. You know, I really want to keep hanging out with you, but it's not really bad timing. I just got out of a long relationship. I mean, I understand that, but honestly, it's like if they really liked me, if they really really liked me, wouldn't I mean timing? Is, it seems like it's always going to be some issue. And don't you think that like if they really liked me, they would just want to keep being with me? Um, and, and it kind of, at that point, just fizzles out into a friendship, which is okay. But I just was wondering about this whole timing thing and whether it was bullshit or not. I mean, it just seems like uh, we all got timing issues. So anyway. Yeah, the timing thing is total fucking bullshit. If you were the one or close enough, you know, there is no one. There's only Mr. 80, you know, 0.83 that you can round up to one. If you were Mr. 0.83, it wouldn't matter if she'd just gotten out of a relationship. It wouldn't matter if she was in the relationship when you met her. She would make time. It would become the perfect time because you were the perfect guy or the, a guy she wanted so badly, blah, blah, blah. How angry should you be when you hear that I think is you know, the more relevant question. You shouldn't be angry at all because it's really code. It's polite, face-saving, little white lie, bullshit code for 
I'm just, you know, to borrow a phrase, I'm just not that into you. It, you're not the right guy. You're not who I want. You're not what I'm looking for ultimately. I'm just not feeling it. Saying that is hard and hearing that is hard. Hearing that is harder than hearing it's the wrong time. Because what that person is telling you, even though they're saying not into you, not feeling it, what they're saying is I'm not into you, I'm not feeling it, but I like you that I'm, I want to try to protect your feelings. I want to try to do this as nicely as possible and these are the forms that we observe at this moment, at this impasse, we say this instead of the cold, harsh, scalding truth. Your role when you hear that is to accept it with good grace, accept that they're trying to be nice because they feel some positive affection for you, right? And then know that what they're really saying is not into you, not feeling it. And then you move on and you say, oh, it didn't work out. I wasn't what she wanted, but she was kind enough to observe the formalities and let me down with the polite white lie. That means X. You have to do the simultaneous translation in your head, but you're not allowed to get bitter about it. There are guys out there and women who hear that and then flip out because it's not the truth. We all know what it means. We all know that a blowjob involves no actual blowing, but we know what it means to say blowjob. We know what it means when someone says it's not the right time. And that's not the literal truth. And you can't be mad at them for trying to be kind and courteous and considerate and using a euphemistic phrase. Hi. I was just calling about the girl, the 23-year-old, who um, was freaking out about not being with someone. I have to tell you that I think around that age I also had a freak out. Um, I'm now 33. But I, I totally used to freak out about all my friends getting married. And guess what? It was exactly like you said. They're all divorced now or not quite a few of them are divorced and the ones that have lasted have been the ones that they married older or they're just getting married now. Um, but yeah, she, the one, my one piece of advice that really helped with me is she just needs to chill the fuck out. Cause if she's looking desperately trying to grab on any man, they're going to run away. So my, my advice again is to chill the fuck out and just, just realize that you're 23 and this is when you, yeah, you should just be fucking random strangers at this point and just having some fun. So anyways, that was just my two cents worth. Hey, Dan, I'm just calling in response to episode 187 about the 23-year-old well-traveled, French-speaking, obviously rich girl living in San Francisco. Well, I'm a 21-year-old, well-traveled, poor boy living in New Hampshire. And so I just want to say on behalf of millions of people like me, fuck you, 23-year-old rich, uh, pretty girl in San Francisco. Uh, we don't have daddy's money to spend, and I'm not interested in hearing uh, uh, attractive rich people complain about their problems. Thanks. Hi, Dan. I am listening to podcast number 187, and I am listening to the 23-year-old girl go on and on and on about how wonderful she is and how she hasn't found somebody yet. And you can tell her that at the age of 34... I finally found somebody, and if I was married to the loser that I dated when I was 23, I'd have a handful of problems. So you can pass that on to her. She's probably not going to listen because she is conceited, and she is full of herself, and I'm probably old enough to be her father, just like she said. So you can pass that on for me. Hey, Dan. I'm a bisexual male in um, near, near San Francisco. I just wanted to... Uh, empathize with the person who came on on uh, 187 um, because I am in the same situation except male. Um, 
there are four weddings, the fourth one I'm going to pretty soon. Um, I'm not dating at all currently. I'm just casually, uh, I guess casual dating with people on, um, on OKC. But, um, yeah, I just would, would tell her, keep working, keep, keep going. Um, not everybody gets married at 23, even though occasionally it seems like it. And uh, keep, be strong. Keep going. Thanks very much for all your calls and questions and your feedback. We're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you want to record a call for a future show, you download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day and you can read the print edition of Savage Love in weekly newspapers all over the United States and Canada every week, including papers, fine papers like the Portland Mercury in Portland, Oregon. And available now because you just can't get enough of me. The Savage Love iPhone app in the iTunes store. Just search for Savage Love. Thank you all for listening. Me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Cast.